The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome in to episode number 130 of the Brutally Honest Sports Podcast. Back here with the, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, that is Joey House. What's going on? Howdy, howdy, howdy. Not too bad uh, getting here on a Monday night. Uh, talk talk some sports with you. Yeah, it, uh, made it through another Monday some way, somehow, uh, as we sit, yeah, as we sit here. Uh, Kevin Brown did not really make it through uh, <laughs> Monday. You could say, I mean, he, he survived, I'm sure, but uh, his broadcast career is on hold right now for much to do about nothing, in my opinion. What What do you think about this whole? This I, I it was like I I'm not gonna lie, I, I didn't know about it until uh, it was brought to my attention, and I I saw the clip. I mean, <laughs> heaven forbid that you you report the actual facts of what have happened <laughs> well, at, at no shape or in no shape or form. Did he ever even come close to, he didn't bad mouth the O's at all. He literally said there, there had the potential to do something very special. Like, and who exactly I mean, so he was suspended indefinitely. So he wasn't fired, but who made that decision? Was that the, the Angelos from, from all the, the reports that I've, I've heard and, and I've kind of dug it. I've kind of gone deep on this, on this exploration of trying to figure out what is really going on. Um, yeah, that, that's the king. That's what everybody has been saying. And, and like the, you know, the biggest uh, reports out of Baltimore, the, the most credited, you know, people that, that cover the team have said that it was a John Angelos decision. So uh, just, and go no go ahead. Who who owns us? I don't. I'm afraid now. Like I don't want to offend the wrong people. <laughs> Spotify is always listening. At whoever runs Apple Music. Spotify is the greatest streaming music network. <laughs> it's uh oh my god. And then and then to add insult to injury. I mean I've been I've been keeping up with John Angelos and the uh yeah John Angelos and the the Maryland. Uh, basically, the, the so there's a lease coming up for Camden Yards and the Orioles to basically agree upon terms so they can go forward with a long-term lease. Mm-hmm. If you go on any type of social media that has to do with the Orioles, it's sign the lease, sign the lease, sign the lease, sign the lease, sign the lease. That's all people comment right now because right. uh, John Angelos is, is dragging his feet. And now, from what I hear – there's supposed to be a big Bruce Springsteen concert at Camden Yards and uh, him and Steve Bichetti, the owner of the Ravens are having <laughs> disagreements. So I really don't think anybody can work with uh, 
John Angelos, and I'm constantly tagging him on Twitter. I hope he hope he blocks me at some point. That'll give me some satisfaction uh, that he at least <laughs> is seeing all the tirades I'm going on about this guy. But he he's a clown show, man. I mean he he expects from what everything I read is he expects the world, but he's not. He doesn't give anybody an inch. He he right. like I'm the boss. You can go sit in the corner and and deal with it. Like and and it, this is another example of him. Like tripping over his own dick, you know what I mean? Right. Really. Uh, now, what's his relation to Peter? Uh, it's his son. Son, okay. So Peter's the, the father, and then John's the the spoiled son. Yep. All right, makes sense. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like it's it's not almost like the Yankee situation with with Hal Steinbrenner, but it it is in a way that. I think ever since George has passed away, the Yankees are not the Yankees you think about. Right. They're not, they're not that, that mega spender. That, I mean, they are, they do still spend a lot of money, but they don't go out the deadline and, and make 50 moves to enhance the team. Like they're not, they're not super uber aggressive and not to say the Orioles have a, have a rich history of being financially aggressive, but in the mid nineties, I think it was like 94, 95, they did spend the most money in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember that very well. And that's, I think, part of the reason that they're reticent to spend that kind of money now because that El- Albert Bell fiasco could, could it definitely set them back, I'd say, four or five seasons because they still made the playoffs like towards the middle of the 90s. But after that, they were so god off. I mean, they were arguably the worst organization in baseball, maybe the worst organization in sports, which is saying something. Look to look at some of the shit shows that have gone on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that uh, and I, I, I truly believe that's why they are. That's why you don't see any real big name superstars come in here uh, uh, through through trades or 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 whatnot or free free agent side when was the last time they signed like a a, a mega superstar free agent i i i i mean exactly my point if you can't <laughs> think of that off the top of your head and, and you you are definitely the oriole expert on this podcast and you've been following what since you were in your early teens. Right. Yeah. So we're talking fi- roughly 15 years and, yeah, and I mean, you can't think of one off the top of your head. I'm sure that there've been some good signings. Like I think that this Flaherty is a good signing, but I mean, Jack Flaherty is not a goddamn Cy Young. He's not <laughs> a, a Garrett Cole. He's, he's not a Justin Verlander or yeah. So, I mean, He's a, he's a quality player who I think is going to fit in very well with their. But what set you off last week was the fact that it's not the big splash, and they have not made that. Or I shouldn't say they haven't made the big splash, but they haven't made very many big splashes since the Albert Bell. And and what's really like. Uh just disappointing I should say is they the Orioles are like and, and I'm not just saying this because I I keep all of them I, I genuinely think they're 
a top three, maybe top five most fun team to watch in baseball. Like they night in, night out. Like they have some of the best team chemistry I've ever seen in my life. They they, they pick the next guy up constantly. They they hit a double and then they have the sprinkler. They have a guy shooting water in the outfield all over people. They have people in uh they have players in the dugout shooting sprinklers out of their mouth. Like it, it's just it's fun. Like this team mm-hmm. is a, a good time and and it, it's almost I always think like every time I think of Orioles ownership, it's like a black cloud over, over the team. Like, like no matter how good the team is, I'm like, fuck, you know, I, I, you got to think back to who owns them. And it's like, uh Oh, like what's, what's coming down the pipeline in a negative way. Cause it's, it always feels like it's inevitable that they're either not going to sign. They're not going to say like Adley Rutschman, what's going to happen to him? Gunnar Henderson is turning himself into one of the best players, best young players in baseball. It's not the best young, you know, he's up there with Bryson Stotts and other one on the, on the Phillies. It, it's, it, are these guys going to be Orioles? I'm not even going to say for life, but are they going to get a second contract? We don't know because they have a dog shit owner. And I'm looking at this tweet right now and it was, it's, it's funny. It's, it says the Orioles are having a historic season with fun young players and John Angelos has been in the news three times over the last over the last year or so. And it says he is still yet to sign a lease agreement with the Maryland Stadium Authority. He lied about opening the books in the offseason and he suspended Kevin Brown for saying something that was actually true. <laughs> it's just I don't know how hard it is to or how easy it would be to not make yourself look this bad. Like it's really it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to just either shut your like just this this whole suspension for Kevin Brown is like icing on the cake as far as how much of a mess this organization truly is at its core. Right. Because like you said, it it was one hundred percent factual. It wasn't derogatory in any any sense of the word. So like what what could they possibly be upset about? It just, it doesn't even make sense to me. And, but on the flip side, uh, like you had said off, off air, this may be the big, the best thing for Kevin Brown ever because it gets him a national media coverage and exposure that, that he hasn't had. Um, I mean, people in Baltimore know, but that that's it. And now he is like, the the champion of the people, if you will. I mean, everybody is rallying to his, to his defense. There literally has not been a because I've started reading. There hasn't been a negative comment about what he said by anybody other than fucking Angelos. So uh, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> Angelos may have may This is all his Angelos's plan, though. I'm sure he. This is all done to further the career of Kevin Brown, who incidentally is not the pitcher f- that pitched for the Orioles back in the nineties. <laughs> he, I just, I have no idea how stupid someone can possibly, like it, it just makes him look, I mean, it, it's like everybody has heard this story now, as far as like, if you're a broadcaster for the Mets, like I know that the Mets announcer and I absolutely he was like, if Kevin Brown's looking for a job, I'm sure we can fit him in here at, at yep. like it, it, everybody in the broadcasting world, anybody that's connected in, in baseball now knows about the Kevin Brown thing in a matter of, you know, six hours or, or whatever it's been. 
and it only paints a more negative light on the Orioles organization. Like it, it's just, it's so piss poor. And like, I don't know. I've, I've been campaigning for years that he should sell the team. Like I'm obviously I'm not ma- making, uh, making much progress there, but <laughs> they, a- any team deserve like the Oakland A's deserve better than what their ownership gives them. The, the pirates uh, deserve a lot better. Like there's, there's, a million examples of this and this is another one and it's just it just blows my mind that you can run a baseball franchise you can be and i know he was basically handed the the keys to the business or the you know the team but you you're in that position and you're this out of touch like it's just like how do those two things go together you know what i mean it's just Mm -hmm. to switch gears from a negative uh kind of a negative storyline to a I mean, it couldn't have been more positive for Trey Turner over the weekend. Um, the the Phillies, I think it was the Philly captain who that guy is an absolute maniac. I mean, he dyes his hair. I mean, he must buy so much hair dye that he keeps his. <laughs> but he, uh, the Philly captain, organized um, a standing ovation to be to be this you know to be taking a place for Trey Turner. Trey Turner then on Sunday hits a three run absolute nuke bomb to uh to left field um and then trey turner on monday pays from what from what everything i've seen he pays uh the so there's boards all over philly now with big billboards yeah big billboards yeah i mean we're we're, we're 11 o'clock at night i'm i'm missing half the words i'm trying to say right now but uh yeah the the billboards in philly uh with trey turner saying thank you and he paid out of his own i mean motherfuckers making 30 million anyway so i'm sure it was trump change for him but yes um he did after the game uh after the uh, the friday night game he was like that was fucking awesome that was you know quote quote unquote that was fucking awesome so um yeah pretty cool i mean not not always uh, philadelphia is not always the the town that's going to applaud you for playing badly but i think they know who trey turner is and can be once again Absolutely. And like you had said before, if if somehow Philly gets into the playoffs and he catches lightning in a bottle again and, and goes off like he did in a World Baseball Classic, I can promise you this regular season will be forgotten and it will be thought of exactly the way that it is. It's a it, it's a bad year. Everybody has a bad year. And to it sucks that it's his first year here, um, especially on the heels of such a enormous contract. But at the end of the day, it's just a bad year. And just people need to realize that and, and take it for what it's worth and, and just calm down a little bit. It's, it's, it's funny too. Like if you look at the people that they were real harsh on Castellanos last year, like, Oh my God, we made a mistake. This guy's a bum. He can barely play right field. He is hitting 260. He has no power left. This year, I mean, now everybody calls him Casty. Like, they literally – it's like this guy is a fan favorite. He's – you know, everybody has seemingly forgotten about – and he had a good postseason too. Don't get me wrong. Like, he made some diving catches in that postseason to save the Phillies' ass a couple times last year. So, um, that plays into it as well, I think. But, I mean, (laughs) Philadelphia – like, it's always what have you done for me lately with Philadelphia? Like that is 
you know, that goes together like uh, peanut butter and jelly with that city. It's what, what have you done for me lately? And it, if, like you said, if Trey Turner turns this corner, especially let's just say the rest of the year and then into the playoffs, like he's, he's going to be a fan favorite. He's, he's fun to watch. He can steal bases. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He can hit for average. Like he's, he's one of the better shortstops of this, this generation. Um, and in the last like 10 years. So, well, I, I, he's one of the better hitting shortstops. I wouldn't necessarily put him in the fielding category, no, um, no, but he's not, he's not a liability at shortstop either. It's not like he's gonna, he, he, he gets because of his enormous range, he gets to a, uh, a much larger percentage of balls than, than the average shortstop. And, which may, I mean, maybe he should stop trying and just give up the hit instead of get the air. <laughs> but uh, we have a, a, a developing situation. Uh, so Joey House took, uh, loaded up tonight on the Rangers, uh, particularly when they were down 3 nothing. They now have runners on first and second uh, with one out in the top of the seventh. And they are in their bullpen now uh, for the second 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 pitcher in the bullpen and it's the Oakland A's are doing what the Oakland A's do. They are putting men on base and hopefully the Rangers will be able to take advantage. <laughs> I feel, uh, I feel pretty good about uh, where, where you're sitting right now. I mean, I know playing from behind isn't the way you want to play, but in this situation with the parties involved, I like, I like the chances that the Rangers have and, yeah, Rangers need to to hold off the Astros in that in that AL West too. So, um, Oakland A's are they're not even playing with house money. They're just trying to get this season over with at this point. Um, so, so this is what the sports books think of Oakland's opportunities. I have a two I have a twenty dollar wager to win sixty um, at Texas plus two hundred. They're offering me a cash out of twenty two dollars and eighty cents. So they're giving me. $2.80 profit. It's two outs with runners on second and third and Texas is still losing and I can still make money if I cash out. <laughs> now, granted, it's literally 1%, but no, actually I think it'd be 10, that'd be 10%. So, um, but that's what, that's what the uh, sports books think. Unbelievable. I mean, I would say unbelievable, but <laughs> It's a tie score. <laughs> I apologize if anybody <laughs> if anybody's watching this. I did not have a seizure, I promise. <laughs> he, he is still with us, thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So the ball was hit to the first baseman. He threw it to the pitcher covering, and the pitcher dropped it. And that would have been the final out of the inning. Sounds so, like a nice thing to do, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, so, uh, keeping on the Phillies a little bit here, uh, the the best show ever out of out of CSN Philly. They their question of the day today was: Should Aaron Nola get a standing ovation? So I don't I don't know if we're starting something new here in Philly that we're just going to start giving standing ovations to anybody that struggles. I I don't really agree with that notion. Um, but what do you think? I mean, with that. Ah, the thing is, he is 
I mean, he's family. Like he's been in the organization from day one. And so I, they've been patient with him and he's just inconsistent. But that inconsistency has only been around for like the last couple of years. But prior to this, he was, I mean, clearly the, the ace of the staff. And that's where, like, I, I go to a lot of uh, different groups and things like that, uh, boards and, and shit, and I read. And that is the overwhelming refrain is the fact that, oh, Nola is not, the, is not an ace of the staff. And this year he's not, but his, I mean, his statistics aren't. But he's still like, I don't know that, that. I mean, if it if it worked for Trey, I mean, it's not a bad idea. It's worth a shot. Yeah. Hell I mean, yeah. I think the problem with that, well, and it's interesting too because Trey did get paid, so Aaron Nola feels as though he should be, you know, deserving of a long term. You know, not a Garrett. He's not going to get a Garrett Cole type contract because he's not Garrett Cole. You know what I mean? <laughs> But <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a, he, it's so tough to even say, is he a great pit? He can be a great pitcher. He can be exactly. He can be a lights out pitcher. I mean, he can be a very dominant and then the very next game he can come and, and look pedestrian at best. He could look like an Oakland A's pitcher. Right. And, and that's, as, as your number – like, I've always – ever since they got Wheeler, I've always thought Wheeler is their number one. Like I, I, I can completely agree. And I know that's – I don't think on the depth chart it is like that. It's Nola gets the – Nola gets game one and Wheeler gets game like – Yeah, it, Nola started every every opening day for them. Right. Correct? Right. Yep. Yeah, so it doesn't feel like that, though. Like, it doesn't – it feels like Wheeler is – not going to say leaps and bounds, but – I mean, Wheeler hasn't been that great this year either, though. I yeah, mean, this is uh, this is an off year for for Wheeler as well, and it's just an off year for Phillies starters. Um, that uh, we had that stretch in, I would say May through mid July, where Suarez was lights out and Christopher uh, Sanchez is really stepped up. Exactly, um, and then uh, Walker. Walker, I mean, Walker arguably is the ace of the staff at the moment. I mean, yeah. on pure statistics, um, which is why if this team gets into playoffs, they are going to be a very, very tough out for somebody because you've got four. What are you looking at there? Um, I'm pulling up. I'm trying to see where Nola's slotted in at a salary for like what? Because I. He's making a sixteen million this year. I'm trying to see where, like, what you know, the 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 guys that are around him, like, like, and and, and stacking him gotcha. up because he wants a. I think he wants to make double that basically, and I'm like, I don't think he's worth double that in my in my personal opinion. No, I, I would I would agree with that. But the thing is, I mean, do you let him walk then and? lose your the hometown hero or well not the hometown hero but the the organizational baby i mean the prize because he was he's been the franchise for so long hey man you you, you know it better than i do but uh, sports is a business like but yeah that's not a that's a very true statement look at uh i mean bryce harper the second he could leave the nationals and he did and like 
that was like they that was like getting Jesus almost like you you drafted you drafted Bryce Harper you you pretty much that's won the lottery. Yeah, yeah, you're winning the lot like Mike Trout. You're winning the lottery. You're yeah. these are generational type players, and um, it's just I don't know, man. Like I, I could care like I shouldn't say that because I, I, I'm a big proponent of like I like bringing guys up through the system. Like, I don't like this, let's buy this guy, buy this guy, buy this. Like, th- that can work. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on it from a a perspective of trying to win a championship. That can work. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. Like, he's been with the Phillies through and through. But at the end of the day, it's about production and it's about potential. Like, all these teams probably run his numbers and run his lifetime stats, everything through, through machines. And they're like, all right, we see Aaron Nola being – 14 and nine next year with a three nine Oh ERA. He's worth this amount of money in our book. Right. That's what they're going to do. And then his, you know, whoever represents him is going to be like, look, he's worth more than that because X, Y, and Z. And then if I, I, I think the Phillies would be a little stupid if they, if they shelled out the bag for Aaron. Nola. Like I, I think we've seen just about the ceiling of Aaron Nola. I don't think, He's going to get any better, and I think he's going to decline at some point. I, I just – he's he's the type of guy where I don't see him being 38 years old. And, like, I don't think he's a Scherzer. I don't think he's a Verlander. I don't think he's a a, Ker, a Kershaw. You know what I mean? So, I think it, maybe if they get him for, like, three or four years, but even still, if you're paying him, let's say, $32 million a year, I, I, I don't know. I, I just – Would you pay him – 22 million a year i probably i probably would um okay because if you say that he's reached his ceiling which i don't necessarily know i can disagree with um why would you pay him more money well yeah but he's gonna he (laughs) exactly that but his his uh his argument will be well I, I haven't, and I've been here this long. I've contributed to us, you know, making a World Series. Like, I think just making a World Series, you are – you're increasing your value. And mm-hmm. he, didn't, he didn't even pitch well in the postseason. So you could say that as an argument. You could say, well, yeah, you, you were a part of the team, but how good were you? Like, when we absolutely needed you, like, there's a lot of – this isn't a black and white issue where – like Jalen Hurts was due for a contract, and I know it's a different position, different sport, but it's it's not as easy as saying Aaron Nola is worth thirty two million because of this, this, and this, and it's not worth, and it's not as easy as saying it's he's not for this, this, and this. Uh, to address his not pitching well in the postseason, uh, he was Aaron Nola in the postseason. His first two games were shut out. Uh, it, now, he gave up a run against the Braves, but it was an unearned run. Both wins, uh, he had an ERA of 0.00 after the first two. Then his, against the Padres, he gave up six runs and four and two-thirds. Against the Astros in game one, five runs and four and a third. Against the Astros in game four, four three runs and four innings. So, I mean, that wasn't great by any stretch, but it wasn't horrible either. So he was 
he was who he was. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's Jekyll and Hyde if there is one. Like, there. exactly, he is exactly Jekyll and Hyde, and that that showed it. So, but that was always the knock on Kershaw for the longest time that he got in the postseason and he was not anywhere close to his dominant self. And then, unfortunately for him, his only World Series is the COVID Series. So. I mean, how I, I know as a fan and also as a handicapper, I completely disregard every stat from that year, every game. I just throw it out. I don't even look at it. So that's why when people bitch about Penn State and the COVID, it doesn't even phase me because that year was just such a, a shit show of the highest magnitude. They would have been better off not playing. That's a hot take. I'm not saying you're completely wrong, but I think people would have, uh, there would have been people blowing their brains. Like not even. Oh, the, absolutely. I have to make a light of like mental health, right? Like, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen I to brutally like, sport, honest sports and go blow your brains out. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, they, for some people, it really, it gets to that magnitude. And I remember when there was no sports on and we had. Yeah, it was horrible. We had the Michael Jordan, like that was what people were looking for. They're like, all right, the what is it? The last dance was on. So yeah, it was the last dance, yep. Um, and it would be like once a week. So it would be like, all right, we're waiting until Wednesday night or what I forget when it came. I didn't even watch it and it's when it was on, I didn't watch it. I watched it like not that long ago. But what'd you uh, think? Oh, I love that, man. I'll be yeah. honest. Like I'm it a big fantastic. Michael Jordan I mean he <laughs> I don't want to attack his character too much because he's the you can you can separate the two as far as Michael Jordan the person and Michael Jordan the basketball player, but absolutely. Uh it was like it really gave you an in-depth look on you know what was really going on. And, and I'm sure we didn't we, obviously we didn't hear all of it because there's shit you can't even bring up that will never right. see the light of day, but good, bad, or indifferent. But it's uh no, that was that was crazy interesting to me. It made compelling viewing. Absolutely. 100%. And, yeah, just that whole – I mean, the whole Dennis Rodman thing. They could have made a whole like, <laughs> documentary on what Dennis Rodman was getting into. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, going back, I mean, I'm looking down this – so the free agent – the free agent pitchers uh, for, for this offseason, I mean, Otani leads the charge. But then there's a lot of guys that I'm like – would I pick over Aaron Nola? I'm like Clayton Kershaw is probably going to retire. I, maybe not, but I see him like re- retiring as a Dodger. It would be strange if he jumped ship and just went somewhere for a year or two. But uh, you got Blake Snell, who I'm not a massive fan of him either. Um, really? No, I, I think he's. I think he's another Aaron Nola. Like I don't. I don't look at him as. On Tampa, okay. it was different. I will say that when he was on Tampa, he was. You you think Kershaw's going to retire after this year? Well, they throw that around a lot. Yeah. Wow. Um. Because have you seen his stats? Oh, he's still no. He's 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 that guy. He's having. I mean, first off, he's a two hundred win pitcher with a career two point four eight ERA. Yeah, he's. I'm just going on record here. Probably the best left-handed pitcher of my generation. Oh yeah, he's he's. There's no question. I mean, 
I remember watching him pitch his rookie year at a Phillies game, and I was like, and the Phillies rocked, and I was like, ah, this guy ain't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's so easy to it's so easy to judge. And like as the years going on, like he's he's just stacking wins. Like he's, I mean, he's won over twenty games twice, Only twice, twice, and then ERA's under two, well, under three, under three is the is it like well he averages under three. So yeah, under two is one, two, three. Yeah, three times. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That as a starting pitcher to have your ERA under two is you're dominant. Like you are. Yeah. And then you go to his postseason. <laughs> and his postseason career stats, 4.22 ERA. Definitely something to that. Uh, maybe maybe Taylor Peyton Manning. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Did you know that Peyton Manning, when he was a rookie, took every snap of every game that season, every preseason game, every regular season game, he took every snap. Wow. I did not know that. That's – I like Peyton for a multitude of reasons, and that was one of them. And he was horrible his rookie year. I mean, a lot of people thought that this guy was uh, – and he also never won a Heisman or a national championship. Yeah, in my book, he only has one Super Bowl, but that's that's a different talk for another day. No, I just no, I that that last Super, and I I'm not a Peyton like I always wanted him to beat Brady. Trust me, trust me. With every fiber in my being, I wanted him to beat that bastard every single time they played. But um, I remember that last Super Bowl. I was like, oh my god, it's like somebody's grandpa is out there in a walker. Like he could not he he was not Peyton Manning, and, and like at the end of the day. It doesn't matter how you get it. And and I think he earned the right to have kind of like a Super Bowl where he didn't have to do much because it's but like – He didn't have to carry the team, absolutely. Exactly. He's been there, done that so many times. And and he really played really well in, in Denver up until that last – I would say that yeah. last season. He set the, he set the single-season touchdown mark. Right. But, 55 touchdowns. Like, yeah, it's – and you're right. That, that Super Bowl, he definitely – was not the catalyst of that team, but he, he earned it for, for goddamn sure. His, his, his forehead alone earned it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get into more of this, this free agent pitching class, just a little bit, I did have a question. It's a, it's a burning topic in my mind, at least, is uh, the clash of, of just outgoing personalities. We got Bill Belichick, who's just the most outspoken and – entertaining human being to ever live and then you have topper as they call him rob thompson the Phillies manager. <laughs> when i think of bill belichick i think of ben stein in ferris bueller's day off bueller bueller <laughs> tom brady will be starting today <laughs> he, he'll he will be out uh <laughs> that is a that is definitely a hot take and a burning question I if it's it's a close race. Uh, I think that Belichick gets it, gets the the slight nod only because he's been doing it longer. <laughs> Fair, Ferris. I mean, either one of those. If you can't sleep, listen to a, a press conference from Belichick. 
<laughs> or listen to Rob Thompson after a Phillies win or a Phillies loss doesn't matter. It's it's as it's as dry as uh you know it's as dry as the desert. I'll say like I stale mean, bread. Stale exactly. So uh yeah no I mean just looking a little bit more into the the more I look at this starting pitching uh free agent class I mean you got some you got some names in here like a Jordan Montgomery I think has some. Some good upside. Um, Marcus Stroman, he would have to opt out. Uh, Jack Flaherty, who obviously on the Orioles now, but probably won't because they won't spend a penny to retain him uh, for what he's worth. I mean, I could see him. I could see him being on the Phillies and and having a good role there. I mean, absolutely. Uh, and, and that's uh, discouraging. That that was, you're right though. They probably won't sign him because he'll be asking for too much money. Exactly. I mean, they they signed Kyle Gibson last year. I think it was twelve million. That was like, holy shit, did they break the bank? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That was stretching the wallet pretty pretty far. So, uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's some guys like Wade. I like Wade Miley a lot. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. a good pitcher from the Brewers. From the anybody on the Brewers, pretty much is can pitch in my on my team. So, it's. Yeah, I mean Alex Cobb's another one. He's a lot of older guys though. If you look at it, this, uh, Kyle Hendricks isn't bad either. Cubs, Cubs pitcher, he gets overlooked. Um, but like you got Corey Kluber, who's a disaster this year. Uh, Luis Severano for the Yankees, he's a disaster. Um, German Marquez, like, yeah, Herman Marquez. Like I don't know and the more. German. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I, I was <laughs> no, sorry. You got uh you got forty eight year old Rich Hill if for price sakes to retire. Uh God damn. <laughs> you got uh Shoei Otani, who's I mean that's that's obviously the the crown jewel. All these other guys are uh, you know chump change after him. Chump change and uh Basically, so what do, you, what do you think Shohei will sign for? I think 750 million is like that's been in my mind. Yeah, it just feels right to me. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> there's so much that feels right about that. For how many years? 10, 10 years? That would be 75 million a year, which would be that's nothing wrong with your math. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> you know, just thinking out loud because yeah. I'm thinking like he's a pitcher and a hit, you know. They say he could have two different contracts, which doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know. Really? Why. Yeah, they said he could be the first player with a pitching Double contract. No shit. I, I don't know, like what that incentivized because isn't baseball all guaranteed? Or the last time I, I'm pretty sure it's football is uh, not. It, I know football. Yeah, no, football. Football isn't baseball. That's a good question. I didn't. I didn't think it was. I think that it's it's largely guaranteed, but. It, but it, it very well could be because I know going back to the Orioles and the Albert Bell f- fiasco, when he got hurt and he was unable to play, the O's had had a massive insurance policy against him. So fi- fiscally, it didn't set them back, um, which doesn't make sense then. Why did they refuse to spend the money going forward? So I think it was more, I mean, for whatever reason, it was just a mental thing. But at the end of the like, that's a, that's an Angelo's decision. 
maybe not John, but it was definitely Peter. Right. <laughs> if, if if there ever was one, there's another example of them covering. Yep. The I mean, they would run down the street if they heard a penny rolling. So it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, no, I mean, the more I look at said, the I've kind of analyzed this list. I mean, there's some guys that like I'd take a Wade Miley uh, over Nola right now. To be honest with you, I, I just wow. Uh, and no, just I, I just I don't know, man. Sometimes I get exhausted of, of certain players. Like it's 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 frustrating. I, I I will grant you that. And uh, to answer your question, yes, all baseball contracts are guaranteed money. Crazy, yeah. Could uh, could you imagine seventy five million dollars a year? <sighs> fully guaranteed, like you have fully no... guaranteed. Yeah, I I think that's not a like. Uh, Brent from the 1420 podcast, he said that Otani will get the first billion dollar con. I, I don't think it's going to go that far. No, um, I, I don't think so either. Um, that would be some, that would be absolutely insane to think to right. see that uh, as a number. But I think 75 million isn't out of the stratosphere because you look at like, look at Verlander and Scherzer, they're both making about 40. Uh, they're at the tail end of their career, they're making 40. They're both just pitchers. I mean, this guy is yeah. arguably the best hitter in baseball and an ace of a pitcher on you know, any rotation he goes to. Pretty much, he's an ace. Right. He's not the best pitcher in baseball, but and I don't necessarily. You you could make the argument that he's the best hitter, um, which is even strengthened further because he's doing this without any protection in that lineup. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, you could, I mean, at least this season, he's definitely having the best hitting season. Um, and pitchers have won both the Cy Young and the MVP award before in the same season, but he could literally become the first player to win a Cy Young for pitching and an MVP for hitting. And I, like, at you feel like you start to run out of superlatives for him, and there's not enough to describe it. He's he's just speaking of filthy. I'm watching Arados Chapman uh, just <laughs> mow down this Oakland A- A's lineup. Oh my! Oh, he got he, it. <laughs> yeah, he still has it. Yeah, he just threw this curveball that was a curve or a slider, one of the two that was like just a slight 90, but looked like it was probably 45 miles an hour after his 101 fastball. <laughs> it's, and, right. Hmm. <laughs> he, uh, I'll never forget when he got brought up with the red, <clears throat> excuse me, with the reds. He was just like, I'd never seen somebody throw that. I mean, it. Yes. You're absolutely right. He was because he was routine, like not routinely, but he was hitting 105, 106, 107, uh, which it's it's funny. Um, I remember when I was in high school, the Yankees had a prospect, uh, this young uh, African American lefty, which if you think about, there aren't that many of those for whatever reason. Uh, his name was Brian Taylor, and he threw in the hundreds. And I remember my high school baseball coach had gone out and bought like 20 or 30 of his rookie cards because this kid was a can't miss prospect. 
I don't know if he even ever pitched a day in the majors. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's yeah, it's just one of those like stories that I and I don't even know what happened to him. I no, actually, he he got his, he hurt his arm because back in those days, it seemed like you put a lot more stress on your body when you threw that fast. Now with the all of the off-season conditioning and the weight programming, weight training and all that stuff, it seems like these players are, are able to just do more physically easier without so much stress on their body. Um, so, yeah, he, he ran into arm problems, and I, I seriously, I don't think he ever pitched today in the majors. Or if he did, he was very, very ineffectual. <laughs> it's... That's why prospects are cool, but championships are cooler. That's that's exactly ah, very good statement. Oh, I can't get you know. Once again, that's my guy. That's my guy. Fourteen twenty saying that, but uh, that one stuck with me. So um, yeah, I mean, it's for for these starting pitchers. I mean, I don't see a ton of a ton of. I mean, there's some guys. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like a fully loaded. Uh, and even the the free. I mean, there's some guys free agent class wise, but um, I don't know. Uh, we'll, it's, we'll not, it's not uh, star studded. No, I mean, it's just like, there's some, there's some good players. There's, I mean, obviously Otani is like, you know, head and shoulders. After, after him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, I mean, you have Joey Votto who's getting older. Uh, Reese Hoskins, Matt Chapman is a good player for sure. Matt Chapman's, mm-hmm will command a big a big contract hopefully Reese is a free agent yeah Reese yep and that's gonna be interesting obviously with the whole torn ACL and everything else so um yeah we'll see I mean there's some outfielders uh like Jock Peterson Charlie uh Charlie Blackman's like 55 years old too uh <laughs> Victor Robles he's not a bad player on the Nationals uh Cody Bellinger Teesco Hernandez like there's some guys but uh, Harrison Bader, if he could stay healthy, he would be a really good player. But, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know, like, to go back to the NOLA thing, I maybe he gets the deal he wants, maybe he doesn't. I I don't really agree with them blowing a bag on him. I, I just don't – not not for me. Not I'd, I'd go the other way. Right. Wow. No loyalty <laughs> with Aaron. No, I mean, I get, I sometimes, uh, I get the it's shit. It's a business. It, it, it's yeah, it's it, a business. I mean, you got to do what's best for the organization. And yeah. And, and speaking of organizations, I mean, it's, it's more so university, but, uh, to switch gears into, to the college football landscape where uh, I, I couldn't even tell you we're we're probably 20 some odd days now. Cause the last time we were, we recorded, I think we were 31. So we've got to be 24. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, uh, we're, we're coming down the pipeline of, of Penn State. I mean, they haven't named, quote unquote, the starter, but it seems that Drew Alar will be like, or Alar, whatever, tomato. tomato. I, thank you, because I swear to God, I was, I, you read my mind there. I was just saying, or is it Alar? I, I've heard it both ways. So I, yeah, I, so have I. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we need Sean Clifford back because that was easier to. To pronounce, bring him back for his 80th season. But do you do you see this team being led by just Alar? Do you see 
Bo Previla getting some like uh, I'm not gonna say they're gonna run a two quarterback system because I really don't think they will. But like, do you see Bo Previla putting up any type of fight, a realistic fight, to be the starter against at least West Virginia? This is absolutely not a knock on Bo's talent because one, I'm a ex Central man myself, so I I love the fact that he's up there and very very talented quarterback probably could start at half the division one schools in the country. But if Franklin didn't start drew, he would be lynched. (laughs) There's you, there's no way that you have the number one rated quarterback in the nation, a five-star arguably the, the biggest, one of the biggest recruits in school history. And you don't start him. But it's just not going to happen. And all these people that are saying that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a battle. And and I mean, Franklin's like, well, I'm not naming a starter yet. He's named his third string though. That Jackson, uh, Jackson Smoke or whatever. Um, this it's just. And God, it's this not is like on Roberson, right? No, I'm just no, yeah. Oh, good dude. <laughs> yes. Who is scheduled to start for UConn again? Yeah, no, I, and I, it's a you know, it's all in fun. I, I'm not trying to, you know, rile people up to it. Yeah, I understand. Nobody's listening anyway, but uh, <laughs> that's it, not true. No, I don't. No, no, nobody. Uh, no, I don't think anybody in Take One Roberson's camp is. Uh, I'll put it. That's probably what, not. Hopefully not. Um, Hopefully not. I put a target on my back now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, there, there is absolutely no way that – now, I'm not saying that uh, Bo won't get meaningful playing time because I think that after what happened to Clifford in Iowa, that Franklin learned a lesson and you need your, your backups to be game ready. And if you remember last year – in the first couple of games, but particularly in the Purdue game, Drew went in there with the game still on the line for a couple of series. And the very next week, he went in there before mop-up duty. So I would not be shocked at all to see Prebula get some some playing time like that. But uh, – th- with when the newspaper, when the media and, and whatnot is, are trying to say that Prebula and Al are locked in this heated competition or, or whatever, that's just them trying to drum up publication. There, this is there aren't locks in gambling. This is a lock. Al is going to be the starting quarterback come September second against West Virginia. Hot take on <laughs> brutally honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, like you said, I mean, you, you nailed it. Uh, he's a five-star recruit, arguably the best quarterback in the country, depending depending on who you you know who who's right at, at least at least drop back quarterback. Right, right, and I mean, a kid is a cannon for an arm. Not not to nothing against Bo Perbula, but I I do like the fact that he's coming in like you know what, not like fuck this guy, but kind of like you know what, I'm I'm still Bo Perbula. Like I'm right. still, I still got recruited. I'm I'm, I'm deserve- still a four star. Yeah, I, I I'm a four star. I deserve to be here. Right. I mean, it's funny. I'm I'm gonna bring this up because, uh, 
I, it doesn't bother you, but I know Matt McCoy, <laughs> just bringing up Matt McCoy, and again, I can't get away from uh from that topic, but it's when he got to Penn State, he wasn't even like – he wasn't even recruited. So, he was a walk-on. Right, right. So you never know what can happen. I mean, it. Uh, I, I expect – because of what I saw Drew Allard do – or Drew Allard uh, last season – in, in the, the game that he did, like, against – I mean, Rutgers has got awful, but I remember that game particularly. I mean, he was – like, he throws an absolute rope. He he He's like Aaron Rodgers. I, I'm not going to go – you know, people think I'm crazy for saying that, but his velocity coming out of that – the ball coming out of his hand, it's like night and day different looking – watching Clifford throw and then watching Allard. If he can be accurate, I mean, the guy has – he almost reminds me of uh, – the Chargers quarterback, I'm trying to – he just got paid. Uh, oh, Herbert? Herbert, yeah. Like, he just has that, like – that ball is zipping when he when – he's Yeah, a lot of velocity. And I I liken Prebula to uh, Trace McSorley because he's a, a more mobile quarterback. I think he may be able to throw on the run. Um, I do envision some – some sets where they're both on the field at the same time, kind of like they did with uh, Clifford and Tommy Stevens. I, I could definitely see that happening. Jalen Hurts but, in his rookie season, so. With, Remember Carson Wentz would be on the field and then Jalen Hurts would come. That's right. I, I, I didn't, but you're absolutely right. That was, that was fun to watch. It was just like, holy shit. It was just – didn't expect it, but like when you see it, like like you said, like if Papula's running just a like a wildcat or something with the mm-hmm. pass option, or I'm excited to see. I hope they do something with him, like you like you alluded to. Like I hope he doesn't ride the bench every game. They're up 55 to 10 on Rutgers or something, and, and then he comes in for the last five minutes or whatever. Yeah, I, I and even that, like I early in Clifford's career, you would rarely see him come out of the game. You know what I mean? Like it was like. It's like okay, I get that this guy earned the right to be a quarterback, but for Christ's sakes, like put somebody well, else. You know, I think that they did that more so just to get him all the experience that he could could get. Right. And I get um, that. Yeah. So, but there, there was very, and again, I think Franklin learned a lesson when he went down in Iowa because he realized that like it's it sounds so elementary and it's so obvious like yeah your backup needs to be ready because they're literally one play away from being a starter but you get in the heat of the moment and that can easily go out of the window so it has to be a conscious decision uh to and i i think in the purdue game clifford had gotten banged up a little bit but they, I also see, I believe that that was scripted, that it was going to happen no matter what. What are we looking at here? Oh, I'm you'll you'll enjoy what I'm going to bring up next. It's it's sports betting related, but uh, on the same on the same uh, wavelength as what we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. um, no, go go on. You're making that's a good point. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, it's it's got to be a conscious decision uh, to. Almost like when a coach at the very beginning of the play, at the very beginning of a game, has their first ten plays scripted or whatever, say, okay, at 
the eight minute mark of the second quarter, we're going to give Prevula a series or two um, to just let him get in there, run with the first string in in game. I mean, obviously game time atmosphere, but game on the line atmosphere. I hope you're right, man. I really, I really, I, I don't know. I uh, we we differ on how we think about uh, the, leader, the, coach. <laughs> the leader of the ship there. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying that I think that will happen. I'm saying I hope that will happen. I should, I, I yeah, I'm right there. Yeah. So um, I will. Dis- you might have looked at it before. Uh, before me, I would not be surprised at all. The Penn State West Virginia uh, September second game. At Penn State, Penn State opens up at 20, 20 and a half point favorites. I'm a little surprised that that spread is that big. I'll be honest, completely honest with you. Yes, that is. I don't know what that says more of uh, Penn State's offense and what Vegas thinks about that or what Penn State thinks about West Virginia. Because uh, that is a that is a searing indictment of the quality of that organization. Um, I, I I gotta tell you, I mean, you will never find a bigger Penn State fan than myself, but I would be very inclined to take West Virginia plus the points. And the and the thing is, I could actually see this with all the hype that is surrounding this team and how they've got like the number one rated secondary in the, in the college. And uh, I mean, they're just, they're stacked on defense. Um, I would not be surprised if that spread goes above, if it goes above 21, I think there's a lot of value there. I do too. I, I, I don't know. And I'm not going to pretend to know much about, uh, the West Virginia team coming in. Uh, but people have already labeled this as a trap. I don't – I mean, I shouldn't say I, sh- I shouldn't look at it as a trap game because ever since Illinois came into Penn State and, and beat them in nine overtimes, um, everything's off the table. Any game can be a trap. I'm, I'm fully convinced that um, if you don't take care of business, like they had no reason to win that. Illinois had no reason to win that game. I know they're a gritty football team and this, that, and third, but uh, no, that after that, I'm like, all right, I, I you know, you got to put the hammer down because uh, you take the crowd out of it early. If you're like, if if I'm running the West Virginia football team, uh, my my goal is to keep Penn State offense off the field. Obviously, get get pressure on on Alar and knock him to the ground as many times as possible early and keep the Penn State crowd out of it at that point and and that's the goal every time no matter where you're playing but uh it's it's not unreasonable to think this game could be a a seven to ten point game in my opinion like you know what I mean because I've seen teams do it before and it's it's week one you're gonna see hiccups like there's gonna be a fumble that's like what the hell how the hell did that happen or a muff punt or like and it could go on either side i'm not saying it's going to happen for penn state or it's not going to happen right that's a huge spread against a a pretty respectable at least program in in recent memory you know like they're not we're not talking about marshall or some or you know (laughs) a team a team that's uh, like dog shit you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, 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 no disrespect to our West Virginia listeners. <laughs> well, well, we gotta we gotta shoot off some shots sometimes. I mean, <laughs> too nice for some of these teams. I mean, uh, okay, so let's look at West Virginia. Last year they were five and seven. Uh, they averaged scoring thirty point six points per game, which was fifty first out of one hundred and thirty one. But because they played in the Big 12, they averaged their points against were 32.9, which was 116th out of 131. So <laughs> right there, that that is your 20 and a half points. Yeah, yeah, not much of a defense there. I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't read up on. Uh... Their quarterback is JT Daniels, the uh, Georgia transfer. Okay. I was going to say that name sounds familiar. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Talk about another comp, Big 12. I mean, oh, good God. It's just. <laughs> yeah. And, and and they're going to continue their trend of not playing defense with the uh, induction of the four Pac 12 teams that, uh, that they picked up over the weekend. So, uh, yeah, JT uh, had. Uh, uh, an average year, 61% completion percentage, 2,100 yards, 13 TDs, nine interceptions. So nothing to write home about. Um, so I, I could see this score being 34 17, which is 17 points. 17 points. So you, yeah. with, with looking into this a little deeper, you still think, uh, and I do too, honestly. I, I think Penn State. In recent in recent years, like last year, they did they did run some teams off the field. But I, other than last year, it's rare I see Penn State absolutely. Like I, I will say again and again, I think they played down to their competition. Uh, in in the James Franklin era, I think they've done that, and, and like there's examples of that. Whether it's his, you know, whether it's coaching, execution, players, whatever, I do think there's a chance that West Virginia hangs around. And and makes it a football like and makes it a a football game for two to three quarters. Like I wouldn't would I be shocked? No, I would not. I mean, if if Penn State then plays University of Delaware and and it's a it's a ten to seventeen point game, then I'm really concerned because they play an even smaller you know uh, piss uh, you know a little little peapod conference compared to uh. Well, yeah, it's the the FCS. So um, I will say that. Okay, now back in 2021, Penn State played Villanova, which is an FCS school, and only beat them 38-17. But that year they also – that was the year they beat Auburn up at Penn State 28-20. Yeah. They they beat Ball State 44-13. I I think your your point about them under Franklin playing down to their competition – they do that for a while, and then, then the the depth of the talent overwhelms these inferior schools. Um, because back in nineteen, they played Idaho, and they beat them seventy nine to seven. I don't even remember. Nineteen's like a blur to me, so I, and I'm not going to say they do it every every right. year right but like i mean that purdue well penn state wasn't both teams weren't ranked so that's fair going into purdue last year of week one 
hostile environment, but yeah, but also division games. So that's where, and the other, the other games that I give them a pass for are the games against Pitt, because even though Pitt is, Pitt is Pitt, um, because of that rivalry. You're going to piss some people off, man. <laughs> I, I hope so. Uh, but now going back to, uh, 2018, they beat Appalachian state by th- seven points. And I think that game actually was in overtime. Um, so yeah, they went, they, they went to overtime right against now, that. Man. I'm telling you right now that that central Michigan Penn state game last year, I was at halftime. I was like, they could lose this game. Like they, I really thought there's a shot that they're going to dick around long enough to where, I mean, central Michigan was playing. They went down the field back to back drives right before half. I mean, they, the defense really overwhelmed them in the second half. And I'm a big Manny Diaz fan. Like I love, Manny. I, I yes. think he's, I was worried when Brent Pry went to West or Virginia Tech, but that might have mm-hmm. been that might have been what they needed on, and not what they needed. I shouldn't say that, but it it's worked out fantastically that Manny Diaz is spotted in. I could not agree with you more. There, uh, I was. I'll be honest. I was not thrilled with that hire because uh, I'm a big being a little bit older and. And whatnot, I I value like the way programs are run. And when he was down at Miami, he replaced Al Golden, who was an ex Penn State player. And while Golden was not anywhere what you would call successful down there with wins and losses, he had started to change the the culture that surrounds that program. So they stopped getting in trouble as much and, and all that shit. Um, under Diaz, he brought back those chains, like the, the sack chains and all that stuff. And I just a little bit think that's like, I don't necessarily want all my players to do all that hooting and hollering and, and whatnot. <laughs> that's, um, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm usually like that too, but if it's defense, I'm like, whatever, that's all right. Whatever motivates those those guys. Cause they're, they're animals in their own right. Like they are just. But Manny has been, I, I think that the defense has gotten better with, with him since Pry. I, and I love, I was a big Brent Pry fan as well. Disappointed that he went to Virginia Tech. And I hope, I mean, other than if they ever play Penn State again, I, I hope Virginia Tech goes undefeated because uh, I really like Pry a lot. But Diaz is amazing. Uh, the only problem with Manny is he's not going to stay here long because yeah. this is a this is a stop. He this is a stop to a destination. This isn't the the end. This is just a stepping stone. Well, and he was t- rumored to leave last year. I mean, after after his first year, it was and it's every year that Penn State has a good squad. The rumors are just going to continue going around. I'll give you the hottest of hot takes. I'll take uh, let's let's boot James Franklin out of there and let uh let let Manny Diaz run the whole squad. Yeah, that that'll never happen. No, um, I, mean, I know. <laughs> I know. I, know. Because, I just uh, because but, while Diaz is a is a phenomenal defensive innovator, as long as he let uh, the uh, 
the OC there now. Uh, I can never pronounce that guy's name right. Oh, uh, shoot. I know. I can see his. I know who you're talking yes. about. Yes. Um, but I love him. And I think he is he is as good as a, as an offensive coordinator as we've had in a long, long time. Mike Yersich, yeah, Mike Yersich. Yeah, Yersich, thank you. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, I'll be honest. I was. Oh man, I had I had days where I was cursing him too. But it's. Uh, <laughs> I think I think it was more so we couldn't run the ball. So it was like everybody knew that Penn State couldn't run the ball, and then it was like, all right let Clifford beat you. And it, when you were like, Clifford's not the type of guy that if it all laid on his shoulders, it, it was going to be hard to win. You know what I mean? Like if the entire game was like, he has no run game. It's just Clifford, Clifford, Clifford. It's like, I don't like that formula for success against really good teams. Um, and that's where I was like, I think Penn state would give up the run. Like they would totally abandon the run. Mm-hmm. Uh which I just don't – I know if it's not working, like, I get it. But when a team just sits there and they're going to sit back in coverage because they know, like, they can't run the ball, then then it's not really a coaching, you know, problem. It is a, a personnel standpoint problem because you can't you can't run block. So if you can't run block, you're just – you're one-dimensional and then you become very beatable. Right. And I think that's the main reason that they abandoned the run as readily as they did because – that and, and they their running backs that they had. I mean, they had Kevon Lee, they had Noah Kane, uh, John Lovett, Devin Ford. I, I like leave. I like Kevon. I mean, Noah went down to LSU last year and, and performed well, but they didn't have the running backs that they do now. So you mix that with a ineffective offensive line, and it's going to be difficult to run the ball. So you're you're forced to. Because if you look at that 2021 squad, the air, the aerial attack was the the focal point of that, the strength of that offense. Oh, and I oh, go, go last ahead. year it wasn't. And, and I remember when they they oh my god they line they do a design run to Sean Clifford. I'm like oh my god this is like painful. And like once in a while he he remind me like a Daniel Jones where like. Out of nowhere, he'd bust one open for like forty yards, and it would be like, "How did this happen?" And he ran like a four five eight, I think, at the, the combine. Like, did he run that fast? That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty quick. Of, like when you look at him, he looks like he's in quicksand sometimes, and like mm-hmm. uh, nothing to get. Like I don't want. I hopefully Sean Clifford never hears this because I, I really do like the kid, but I'd be like, man, design run to Sean Clifford. Like this is, he's either gonna get hurt, or we're gonna get four yards at, at the seat. And I know it's the threat of it, but I'm like, man, bring in the back, like bring in, I don't care who it is, bring in a fullback, do something different because uh, this is not, not fun to watch. And, and, and All right. Kind of hopping around again. I mean, we're, we're coming back to baseball. This uh, is an all sports show. We cover it all, baby. Cover it all. Keep, keep it as real as possible. Right. So uh, yeah, that was quite the, quite the brawl in the guardians. Uh, White Sox game over the weekend. What did you think of that whole ordeal? Jake Paul and Nick Diaz had nothing on those two. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting you uh, had brought up the fact that uh, Anderson got suspended for, what, six games and uh, Ramirez, is that who? Yeah, Jose Ramirez, three. Yeah, it got suspended for three and it, he knocked. Like when I first saw that, 
I'm not gonna lie, it looked like Ramirez. Or, I mean, it looked like Anderson was faking, but there is no way in hell you would fake get going to sleep like that. <laughs> like, you oh, just... And the part where I'm not gonna say they should. I mean, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't read it if it did happen, but I almost think he should be evaluated for a concussion because. As he was walking, like, you know, his teammates grab him and kind of escort him, uh, you know, towards the White Sox dugout or whatever. He's, like, barely – he looked like Tua last year a couple of times where right. his legs look like jello. Like, he's, oh, uh, uh, I'm not really – can't really keep myself up here. So – That'll teach him to start a fight. That he right, can't finish yeah. right. What a fall from kind of – I mean, this isn't the first time and and – I don't know. The Josh Donaldson thing was a little questionable because there might have been some racial undertones with that. Uh, but this isn't the first scuffle that, that Tim Anderson's been involved in. And I, I almost think Tim Anderson's kind of like, well, I don't want to be on the White Sox anymore. I'm miserable. Let's just make everybody uh, else miserable with us. Yeah, it's like, what do I have to like? What do I have to lose? Like, let me just stir the pot. Uh, I think he's absolutely miserable on that team. And that, and that team is going nowhere fast. And I don't know, man. I, I, it's it definitely uh, definitely was uh, something to see. And like I, I can't say I want that thing happening on the regular in baseball. But every once in a while, when something like that happens, it's it's uh, it's must see TV. Yeah, you're right. Like you, I I have mixed feelings because when I pay for if I pay. 100 bucks to take my family to go see a baseball game. I want to see baseball. Uh, but when I'm sitting at home and I'm drinking a beer or something like that, that's fucking great. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, and it, it, what that invariably makes me do is uh, I go through YouTube clips of watching old baseball fights and stuff like that. And to this day, I don't think I've ever seen a better fight than when Robin Ventura charged Nolan Ryan. Have, have you ever seen that? I have, yeah, I have. Uh, I mean, that is the quintessence. I think ever, anybody that's ever watched baseball for any length of time has seen that fight because you just don't – I mean, Nolan was not a big guy, but just took Robin Ventura to the woodshed, <laughs> grabbed him in the neck and pop up like that. Oh, he's got him in like a headlock type yes. thing. Wailing on him, like uh, wailing away, because Ventura's Ventura, on, on the other hand, was a big guy. Like it, he just, I mean, he got that old wily sense of fighting, and just fantastic. I, I think that fight probably cemented. I mean, Nolan was already a Hall of Famer by any metric that you want to measure. But that fight just went to solidify his. It, it definitely, in my opinion, I think it definitely uh, greatly increased his his stature, his legacy, because that was just some kick-ass shit. No pun intended. Yeah, am I am I am I crazy for being like, man, Nolan Ryan's a prick though? Like, am I? Am I a little crazy? How 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 would you how could you consider him being a prick? <laughs> I just every clip I've ever seen him, he just gives me that like a vibe of like a former boss I had who's just this guy is a fucking asshole. Like you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying like I'm not saying in that situation because obviously okay he, he charged him, 
But I'm always, like every time I see, and I know he's a great pitcher. Like as a player, I respect him. But I'm always like, man, that guy just seems like he he beats it to himself. He beats his and like deservingly so. I get that. I'm just like this guy is. I don't know. I don't know. He has that like Roger Clemens vibe to him. You know what I'm saying? Like. I know what you're saying. I don't think I have ever disagreed with you as much as I do now. <laughs> I, got, which is, I gotta go back in. I gotta go back in and uh, and watch more. Yeah, I get I, I get some pre uh, dispositions about certain people, and it's hard for me to like break out of that. Well, it's it's good that you bring that up because I absolutely am guilty of the same thing. Um, and in all honesty, my uh, I think. My take on Matt McGloin is probably one of those scenarios. Um, having said that, Matt McGloin was not the Penn State quarterback I hated the most. That, <laughs> that distinction belonged to Kevin Thompson, who was the uh, quarterback in the mid to late 90s. Uh, he was there at the same time that this uh, Penn State had this uh, um, black kid out of uh, Jersey, Richard Casey. And Richard Casey, to me, was everything that Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick was, he was very mobile. Uh, he could throw the ball just a country mile. And that was my ideal quarterback. So I was a huge, huge Richard Casey fan. And for whatever reason, Joe Pa kept, um, he, he had a definite quarterback controversy and would rotate the two and, and never really decided on a, on a starting quarterback. But when he finally did, it was Thompson. And to me, Thompson was just like the biggest, most arrogant prick in the world. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't stand that. But having said that, um, this is my biggest problem with a lot of the Penn state fans. Okay. You, you yourself are a self-subscribed, not a big James Franklin lover. Not but, well, I shouldn't say not in the slightest. I, 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 I'm always one foot in, one foot out with that guy. Right, but I mean, safe to say you'd you'd rather see a handful of other coaches there. Um, there, yeah, most likely, depending on obviously who. Yeah, like, yeah, somebody better, but I mean, still, Franklin's not your man, and and I get that. I I understand it. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um, and there was the same same division between um, Pence, between fans over Clifford. There was the the fans that wanted him out and put Drew in or any other Will Levis. I mean, any of those guys. And then there were the fans that said, "I mean, he's not that bad." I mean, look, we made what three New Year Six Day New Year's Day bowls, and three double-digit win seasons, blah, 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 blah. These fans that are vehemently anti-Franklin and anti-Clifford are so set against, uh, in their opinions, that they openly root for Penn State to lose. Right. Just the point, just to prove their point. I couldn't stand Kevin Thompson. Not one time did I ever root for him to lose a game so Rashard Casey would go in there. Like, I cannot get – and I hate that with a passion. See, 
and and you might not. I mean, hey, you might hate me with the fact that I'm trying to say, say what I'm about to say. But I think in certain okay, so there's a lot of dynamics to what you said that I think can be looked at differently. Like if if Penn State was four and four, right? And I'm like, all right, the season's shot. Like I don't care about getting into the Tostitos, you know, finger uh, nose picking bowl. You know what I'm saying? Like at that point, the Frito Lay like, chip bowl. Right, right. The uh, wipe your ass bowl. But I mean, like at the end of the day, these are all a joke. Uh, all of them at the smaller bowl level, for me, in my opinion. Like I know it can help you a little bit, but grand scheme of things, if you're a Penn State and you're in the Tostitos bowl, it's not a good look. But if if they were four and four, right, and and I think the reason being a lot of it's coaching, I'd be like, you know what, I kind of hope Penn, like I'd be like, well, if Penn State hasn't like learned, well, it's they're not going to get rid of James Franklin if they win out or something like that. I'd be like, fuck, let them. Live. I mean, at that at that juncture, I'd be like, let them burn, like let them go four and four and eight, like whatever. Not, mm. but. If if it's a competitive season, right, and they've lost to Ohio State and Michigan, like they, you know, routinely do as of late, I would I wouldn't wish a, like, I wouldn't be like, well, Penn State will hang on to James Franklin. And don't get me wrong, there's been times where I'm like, man, I kind of wish they would because then it would show like, like, I guess I just get so frustrated that I'm like, I want change and like whatever whatever's gonna get you to change faster because if you stick with like let's say they stick with James Franklin the Rose bowl is like the, the pinnacle of what they achieve. And I'd be like, that kind of sucks. I'd rather roll the dice and see what it, maybe we get worse. Maybe we get better. But sometimes I think like that because I hate staying the same. I hate, I hate that. Like, and, and some schools would die for that. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You have your Indiana's in the world. They'd be like, Holy fuck. This is like, I can't believe we're going to the Rose bowl. And I get that, but at the same time, I, I don't – I guess it's just – I don't like complacency when it's the same – seeing the same results, you know what I mean? So I'm guilty of it. I'm not going to lie. I, I've rooted against – in certain situations, I've been like, you know what, they're going to never get to where I need them to get to for me to be, like, fully happy with them. I'm like I, – I, I've rooted – or I, I said a lot of times, like, with the Orioles, I'm like, I wish nobody would show – that's kind of different, though. But I'm like, I wish nobody'd show up, nobody turn the TV, like the ratings would go down. The right. lose money. Like I want the whole nine yards of it. But I, I can't lie. I mean, there's been <laughs> there's there's been plenty of times I'm like uh, and and NFL is different because you get a draft pick. So it's kind of like fuck it, like, you know, lose out. Right. There there is almost sometimes incentive to throw uh, uh the last couple of games. And in the NBA, it's not draft pick. I mean guaranteed but you get more balls in the in the lottery to, that it could potentially land you the number one um and, and i i understand the need for change um or the desire for change but at the end of the day i i, I just i i mean i don't think it <laughs> will towards you but i just can't understand how anybody who claims that they're a, a diehard fan could ever root for their school to lose. I can understand rooting for them to like at the end of a bad season say, you know what, like we need to change him, but to just I just I can't wrap my head around that. And even 
even though that you may have had some of those I, in the conversations that we've had and things because I've listened to your other podcasts, you're not when they're successful, you still you're able to give them you're able to give Franklin or Clifford their their fair share of success. These guys when there there were because I used to run a, a Penn State uh, website or a fan site and there are a ton of guys that Cl Sean Clifford was never going to get drafted. Never, it was just a joke. So, <laughs> so he got drafted. Well, he's never going to make the squad. He made the squad. Well, he's never going to play. Now he's the goddamn backup. They just cut their third string quarterback from LSU. He is a, a, a play away from being an NFL starting quarterback. And going into the going into the bowl game against Utah, there were so many fans that were openly rooting for us to lose against Utah, just so they could prove themselves right about their. Well, Franklin can't win the big game. Never mind that he's already won a Cotton Bowl and a Fiesta Bowl. Now he wrote, now he's won a Rose Bowl. And and no, and I love this. This topic is awesome because it's my my thing with. Like if Penn State, like that, that's uh, what was it, the 2020 year, and then like 2021, they kind of collapsed down the stretch a little bit. You know what I mean? I was like, the the reason I would be like, we need to root against them for uh, you need to root against them for the change to happen. That's my thing. Like, right. if I'm if I'm like, all right, let's go Penn State. We got four losses, but and and like I'm like in the back of my head, oh, James Franklin's up for an extension though. And I'm like, do I want James Franklin extended? No. So then I'm like, if they win these last couple of games, that's going to play a factor in him getting extended. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I'm not saying like when he got, if I, okay, if they hired whoever, right? Uh, Jim Smith, they hired, and I'm like, I fucking hate Jim Smith. I can't believe they, like if Penn State went out and got the next coach, and I'm like, why this guy? Like this guy sucks. Greg, let's say it's Greg Schiano. Is that name popped in my head from okay. record? Bring Greg Shannon in. And I have a dis like I'm already like, I don't think he's good, this and that. And I'm not rooting against them though from day one. I'm saying right. like, when I see a tr uh a track record of like six and or uh let's say six and five, six and five, six, I'm like, all right, man, fuck it, go four and four and eight and get him out of here. You know, did, I mean? did you root against Penn State last year in the uh Rose Bowl? No, no, of course not. No. Uh, okay, but you say of course not, but there were fans that did. No, and because... I, like I said, I'm, I don't think I go that crazy. Yeah, you, there, you, there you were definitely times do not. Like, I, there were times when Clifford was like looking so bad that I'd be like, man, I hope Clifford struggles. I hope they win, but I hope he struggles. And they're like, they're contemplating going because, like I said, I just hate when it's like you're seeing the same thing year in and year. Like it's like it drives me up a wall, and I'm like, I'm I'm willing to take the chance sometimes with that possibility of it being worse than running it back, running it back, running it back. When I see the same type, like, like Eli Manning, right. I mean, he had two Super Bowls, but every other season it was like, Holy shit. This is like, I couldn't imagine being a I'd be ripping my hair out watching this guy throw 50 fucking interceptions a year and looking like he has no soul. Like he just <clears throat> out there, like just do the two Super Bowls make up for that. I, I guess so because more than like more than one to me is like that's hard to get. 
One's hard to get. One's hard to get, and then you get that. That if it was one serval, I'd be like, man, not, fuck no, like. But two, in in a relatively short time, I mean. See, that's my argument with Aaron Rodgers. Like, he has one. Is he worth my headache? No, he's. In my opinion, I would not want Aaron. No, I would. I I, I agree. I I agree at one hundred percent. Um. And the, and the thing about Clifford, he went 11 and 2, and then the COVID year, 4 and 5, 7 and 6, and 11 and 2. So, two out of four of his years, he won double digit games. And again, he won. The cot. Uh, well, he didn't. He won the he won the Fiesta Bowl and the Rose Bowl. What was he the best quarterback ever? Of course not. But did better he deserve Morelli, better than who? Oh, Anthony Morelli. All right. Oh, the, oh Tony Morelli, absolutely. Oh my God. Oh. But see, now th- that is a th- that is a fantastic point that you bring up because his statistics were right on line with Todd Blackledge. Todd Blackledge won the first national championship at Penn State, and he's revered. His completion percentage was actually worth, worse than Morelli's, and Morelli threw for, like, maybe two touchdowns less than Blackledge. But because of Morelli's elevated – I mean, he was the first five-star quarterback recruit at Penn State. And – Didn't play like it. And he didn't play like it, but – at the same time, I mean, that's no, that's a, that's a valid point. Um, but you also have to realize that Penn State was just there was a lot of inconsistency, like a lot of uh, coaching changes with the assistant coaching. I think he went through three different offensive coordinators or something like that. Like there was a lot of that program was in turmoil, um, and it was also. A lot of a lot of fans were calling for Joe Pa to be ousted because he had four four out of five losing seasons in a row. Yeah, and and and, and to that point, like because we were talking about how people would root against, like like there's people that will root against uh, the the Yankees fans uh, are an example to me that they'll root they'll root against the Yankees until Aaron Boone is fired or until Brian Cashman is fired. Yeah. And they, continue like, day in and day out they're like god i hope they lose so lose another series lose another and but you gotta like i'm not saying you gotta because i'm not the type of person to tell anybody what to do but like i understand it though because it's like when changes aren't being made and you're like this is not the result we want it's like they're not gonna it feels as though they're not gonna make changes unless it gets so god awful bad like if the yankees miss the playoffs somebody might get the can like that. I, I don't know, but it would feel like a lot more significant. It would be like they they would have more justification for doing so. Like Aaron Boone's been in the postseason how many times? Every year, I think, you know, if he misses it this year, it'll be the first time. But people are like, the team's not being ran right. But there is so many aspects to it, too, like you brought up. But on the flip side, I remember – there was a, I think I can remember, I can see his picture. It was in the Lancaster newspaper. I think his name was Mike Galifanaco or something, Garfano or whatever. Every time Penn State would lose, he would like absolutely just rain on Joe Joe Paterno's parade. Like 
Joe Paterno's well past like his cognition. He doesn't have cognition of the game. He doesn't mm-hmm. know what he's doing. He doesn't have control of the locker room. He's an old washed up like hag, basically. That he's right. And every time they'd win, he'd be like, "Well, they won in spite of Joe Pa this week." Yeah. So I know exactly. Like I do give Franklin his credit when they win. I just when they lose, and especially when they lose games like that seven and six year. I think what was twenty twenty one. I was like irate at. A lot of the, I was like, man, fuck James Franklin. Like, at the end, yeah. of the time, <laughs> I, I I put a lot. I I do put a lot of that on Franklin for not having the second str- and third string guys prepared. Um, and I like I said, I think he learned a valuable lesson there. Um, but that team was, they were beating the the number two ranked team in the country twenty one to three in their home t- in the first half. They, I mean that game, Clifford was damn near unstoppable. I remember, until, yeah. So I remember. Until he got like, hurt. But my thing is the collapse after, like, yes, how yeah. the wheels fell off of that. I was like, I, I'm not like I've seen enough. Like I, I I'm disgusted because it was coming off the year they went. You know they were under 500 at Penn State, which is just, and I know COVID. it's COVID year, yeah, again there. But then you lose to Iowa, which. Under circumstances, I understand they lose that game, but then the train, like the the, the train, came completely off the tracks. Yeah. Sitting there, like, how are we this? You know, like, what has happened to this team? And unfortunately, that is not the first. That's that also had happened under Joe Pa. And if like people are going to probably hear this and think that I am anti Joe <laughs> Paterno, which is couldn't be the furthest thing from the case. Right. Um, I mean, he he was damn near a god in my house. But I I remember the 99 season when they were undefeated. They came into the season, I think they were ranked like number one or number two in the country, undefeated the whole year. And then they lose to, to, to Minnesota on a last second field goal. And they go on then to – and Minnesota was unranked. Um, and they lost at home. So it was it was just I mean everything you could imagine and then they lose to Michigan they lose to Michigan State like Penn State seems to have a history of having one really crippling like heart wrenching loss and then just and, and that's interesting that it, it happened with two different regimes. I just. I, I and and I'm not saying everybody can beat Nick Saban, but I always like I, I watch like Alabama clips and like I'm just like God Almighty, like the the money they gave James Franklin, I would have been like give Nick Saban 150 million and see what he can do. I I I mean that's just that's like the dream for me is like him coming to Penn State and just turning him into a, an Alabama. You know what I mean? Like we're beating Ohio State every year. We're beating Michigan. We're right. Like the big 10 comes through happy Valley. Like that would be, I just want to see it for like a little bit of time, like two, three, four years. I'd be like three years max or three years minimum. I'd be like ecstatic. I'd be like, this is awesome. Like, yeah, but it is what it is. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's not a make or break season. Cause we, you know, coming off the Rose bowl, um, it was a good year. It was, it was I was, I was really proud and I was happy. Like, you know, I was happy for James Franklin at that point. Cause I was Clifford and Cl- yeah, especially right. more Clifford than, than Franklin at that point. Right. 
I think the next two seasons are make or break it. But especially with the playoffs going to 12 teams in 2024, if we don't make the playoffs then, then I will become, hey, we, we something needs to be done with this guy. Because <laughs> yeah, it's just, you, you've got this whole team. This team is still, I mean, arguably a year away from being what they're supposed to be. So which kind of scares me that they're putting all this pressure on a lot of these young kids. Um, but that's what it is. Uh, but if, if these next two years, I don't, I'm not going to say that it's championship or bust, but it's, I think it's going to be close. Like, I think if they don't make a very solid push in the playoffs, one of these years, Franklin's going to find his seat rather warm. I, yeah, no, that's well said. I, I think, I think if they get walked by Michigan and Ohio state, like they just get embarrassed uh, for two straight years with a quote, you know, it's all speculation, but like we think Drew Allar has a higher ceiling than Sean Clifford. Mm -hmm. uh, then yeah, something ha like if it's non-competitive games again, um, and I'm not going to say like last year, they, but that pisses me off more almost last year. <laughs> they, they should have beat Ohio state. And I blame coaching for some of those. I know Clifford had three interceptions. I get that. But I, down the stretch, that fourth quarter was handled. So miss, it was just mishandled. And I'm like, you can't mishandle next. Like Alabama would not mishandle that game. Like, you right. know what I mean? like the top tier. And, and I just, I guess I hold Penn state to a crazy standard, but. I want them to be that team. Like I, I just, and I think a lot of Penn State fans do because uh, they do, which is it's interesting though because you've never really experienced Penn State as that team, right. where a lot of the people that are very disgruntled with Franklin have are a little bit older and remember at least one of the national championships, if not two. Yep. Yeah. No. And. Oh, per usual, uh, you know, you have, if this is a two-time-a-week show, we pretty much covered the landscape of, of topics we wanted to. So, um, as always, for, for Joey, I always want to thank him. But where, where can we find you, and what else do you have going on? Uh, so, the, the main place that you can find me is uh, either on Doc Sports. I am uh, I'm one of the lead contributors there. Uh, I just got done wrapping up covering the uh, – the divisional breakdown of the NFL for the upcoming season. Um, I'll be running their, their weekly confidence pool articles. Uh, so you can follow my picks there if you're in any sort of like confidence or survivor pool. And then I'm also the uh, editor in chief and main contributor for Philadelphia at uh, gametimesharks.com. Definitely check those out. Um, anybody that's into gambling or anybody that likes just, reading sports articles in general. So, yeah, good reads. Uh, I always got to shout out the guys over at 1420 Sports Podcast. I I got to get Joey in on a collab with them. That would be an absolute riot. Uh, yeah, I'd, li I'd like that. We, we, need to, we need to make that happen. So uh, I'll be probably annoying Brent here at some point again uh, to get on that. And then uh, Jim at Fan in the Van wants to, to get together on Saturday. So maybe we can all three be a – be on on that one um you know, if not all good but definitely check out a uh, fan in the van uh, sports podcast as well um it almost gets more and more hysterical per show just because of the the 
disgruntled uh, Yankee fan that's inside of him that he has to release. The demise of the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. And uh, check out Two Dudes with Sports News, uh, Sports Bliss with Robin Chris, uh, You Bet Sports Podcast. Uh, and there's plenty more. I will definitely uh, – is this a bad take? Also a part of the Two Dudes with Sports News uh, umbrella of shows. Uh, so definitely check all those out. I will tag everybody that, you know, uh, we listen to or we support. And the uh, when I post this episode, most likely on either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week. And till next time, just keep chugging along. And anything Joey got to say. Uh, no. <laughs> Peace. Peace out. Peace.